Welcome to the Institute's Leading Edge, a show dedicated to helping the automotive aftermarket service industry. Covering topics suggested by you, the listener, we dive into what's important, getting you what you need to succeed. Here's what's coming up. But what happened was I was like, okay, what would you, what part don't you understand? I want you to come up to me. If I can't explain it to you, do some training on it. If you do something wrong, I'm going to show it to you. You know, don't take it as criticism. If you can't even participate in that, then there's no reason for you to even be here. So from that point forward, after after dealing with him, um, I have to let two people go because in that meeting, you know, because of the attitudes, you don't need it. The, the, the cancer that, that goes with somebody like that and the going around and messing with the other techs and getting them riled up. I mean, this guy was 80, 90 hours a week. He was very productive. So, it hurt, you know, you thought it would hurt to get rid of him. But he would go around and complain to all the other guys about not having any work. And then all the other guys are like, well, if he doesn't have any work, how am I going to make it? We need your help. By submitting questions or topics to institute at ifrave.com, we can continue to cover things that are relevant to you. But for now, we've collected a panel of experts to get you serious results. So what are we waiting for? Let's get into it. Welcome to Leading Edge number 51. Today we're going to be talking about uh, employees, employee horror stories. Uh, and with me today, I have Alvin Liu. Did I say it right, Alvin? Yes, you did. And uh, uh, na- name of your shop and where it's at. Uh, Employee Auto Works in uh, Braintree, Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Okay. So, um, you know, we put out a call uh, to uh, different uh, people. We have a couple of others that are uh, probably going to be here late. We'll see what happens. But um, to talk about uh, employees and employee kind of horror stories. So, um, Alvin, I'm going to ask you, since you're it, there's you and me. Um, uh, tell me your employer employee horror story. Well, thank you for having me, Cecil. Um, I have, I guess, in the business for about 11 years. I mean, we're always going to have those employees. Um, I had one who was, um, I, will, I always had to fight with, and we had an employee that he would always not admit to fault. And what happened is when we were trying to help him. Um, say, hey, you know what? You, you got you, you want to try it this way first and, you know, see if it works better for you. And he would just never listen to us. And what happened is every time he did something wrong, we would just point it out, you know, say, hey, you know what? You did this wrong. You know, can you not do it this way, please? And he's like, well, you know what? That's how the way I do it. You know, he, he'd be very difficult. But I think one of the major problems with that employee I had, um, he will always forget things. So he's like, hey, you know what? Don't do this because this is going to happen. You turn around, he does it, you know? And then I would have to confront him. I said, hey, I just told you, you shouldn't do it this way because this is going to happen, but you still did it. He's like, well, you know what? I didn't hear you. He, you know, he always had an attitude. Okay. And you, and obviously you, you got rid of him. Yeah, I, I got rid of him. It was, how, how long did you have him as an employee? I would say I had him for about nine months. Um, okay. I tried to learn his weak skills, his weak spots, and then not give him those type of jobs. All right. So as he got better with the basic jobs, I would try to excel him in it. But it was always going back and forth. Um, he was always making excuses. Uh, he would come to work, you know, like a lot of times he would come to work late. You know, and it was just very difficult. I, I, I did my best, you know, the, the, he was a good guy, but he was just always being very difficult. A lot of guys uh, deal with an employee that will not a- admit fault. Um, how do you do you think that that there was something that you could have done different or um, to to try and get him invested, involved I mean, I would tell him, I say, listen, this is not like a pride thing. This is more like, you know, like if you did something wrong, you, you know, say, hey, you just admit to it, you know, and then what's going to happen is let's not do it again. You know, that's all it is. It's not any, um, you know, it's not like, oh, I can do this. And, you know, it's not like a macho thing. You know, it's not like a pride thing. But to him, it was like, oh, I went to school for this. You know, this is how I do it. And it was just an ongoing, ongoing battle with him. But I think one of the biggest problems was he had just like 
he had just had like very bad memory for some reason. You know, yeah. it, it, it took me a while to find out to figure it out. I'm like, well, you know, he just, he just, it's just, it, it, it was just, it was like, it was with everybody. Like he had to, we had to argue with employees. Hey, did you borrow my tools? No, I didn't. But you just did. No, I didn't. Then you'd be like, you know, arguing all the time with this guy. Did you, um, did you, uh, what, what was his productivity? His productivity was horrible. Okay. So not only was he not learning from his mistakes, he also was, was, was not very efficient at what he did. Correct. So we had to pick and choose the work he, that he can do. So yeah, you can. We probably know you can do this. That you can do this, but you know what? We just probably wouldn't let you do this because we know that you're gonna make a mistake. It was like just predictable, you know. When it was not so busy, I would go side by side with him and say, "Hey, you know what? Let's do this way. What you want to do is, you know, when you take it apart, you know what? Just do one side at a time. You know, just like drum breaks. You know. Yeah. So if you don't know how it goes back together, now you can replicate it. Two seconds later, yeah. yeah. So two seconds later, both sides are apart. Yeah, because so. he didn't listen. He 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 just wouldn't listen to you. He will not listen. I I had a guy. Um, we got somebody coming in. What if we told you that you could get quality training and education conveniently and without emptying your pockets? Our gear platform presents great education and resources for automotive shops, courses led by experts inside and outside our industry, a community of like-minded people to engage with, and a resource library at your fingertips. With a monthly membership, you can gain access to every course we have in the library, as well as the multiple courses we add each and every month. With the ability to watch wherever and whenever you'd like, gear provides the training you've been looking for at only $129 a month. For help with improving your business, head to ifrave.com and click on the courses we teach to sign up for a better business and a better life today. Is that is it's that Rich? Uh, it's Rich. Hey, Rich. I, hey, I've been fighting with trying to get logged on, but I've been I've been in and out four or five times here. That's weird. Um, well, we got your voice. Hi, Rich. Uh, so we're uh, uh, Rich. We're talking about uh, uh, disaster employees' um, uh, experiences in that. Um, Alvin had uh, an employee that wouldn't listen, couldn't learn, uh, and was very unproductive. I, I'm assuming it was a technician, based on the conversation. Yes. Um, so, uh, Rich, what's your horror story? We have <laughs> there. There's. We've got a few. We have one that stands out. It's somebody that I I had known for a long time. I had actually hired him in as a, I hired him in as a technician back in the late 90s when I was a shop foreman at a BMW dealer. And I hired him in straight out of step to the step program, the trainee program, and um, knew him and worked with him uh, at the dealership for several years. And then let, and, you know, then I left and he left and we ended up working at the dealership in Tennessee together for a little while. And then he left, but he was always, he was one of those ones that it seemed like there was always something going on that kept him from, you know, he, one of those ones that typically, I don't know that he ever really worked a full week. A lot of personal issues. Yeah. A lot of personal issues. And, you know, it was never anything that was just laziness. And when he worked, he worked good, but, um, he definitely had a huge ego, but, um, as, as we, um, so there was always kind of something when we were working at the dealership, even that I was kind of like, I don't know about this guy. Well, you know, fast forward again. I mean, now we're into 2000. Now we're into 2013, 2014. I'm owning the place. He's working at a GM dealer and decides he wants to come on with us. So I made him, you know, I made him an offer. And of course he had to, he was the first one I'd ever had to negotiate it back when it was coming time to hire. And, you know, like I want an extra week's vacation. Well, that's not going to happen. Right. And, um, he came on and he, and, uh, man, it was a, it was a struggle when, when he got in there because he just didn't, he didn't play well with the other children. And, um, he always had this, he had a huge, huge case of entitlement. Um, you know, as, as we grew and we grew people up front, you know, there was, there was more and more issues with, oh, there's a really bad windstorm and my wife's at home alone and she's scared. So I got to leave and just, 
drop the tools and go home. Wow. And um, the problem ended up kind of taking care of itself in that when we were going to move to our new building in 2017, um, we had already decided that when it came time to move, we were just going to tell him that there was no reason for him to move with us. And then he ended up, he and the guy that was selling cars on my car sales side decided to open a shop in our old building. There you go. And uh, steal our original website font and call themselves European Auto Services and the European Auto Garage. And so that problem took care of itself. But man, it it had gotten to the point where, and and I've got these old Cecilisms that go through my mind. um, And one of them was, Cecil always says, hire slow, fire fast. And Cecil always says, the, the time to get rid of somebody is when they give you the opportunity to get rid of them. And he gave me a couple opportunities and I didn't take them. And I vowed that that would never happen again. And one of the things he did um, towards, you know, towards the end when he'd already checked out was when we had our weekly meetings, he'd be asleep in the corner or not paying attention. And I said, any, from now on, if anybody's not paying attention and can't even participate, because our meetings are very loose. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. they're very, you know, laugh about stuff and talk about stuff and a few things. But if you can't even participate in that, then there's no reason for you to even be here. So yeah, from that up. point forward, after after dealing with him, um, I have to let two people go because in that meet, you know, because of the attitudes, you know, like you don't need it. The the, the cancer that, that goes with somebody like that and and the the going around and messing with the other techs and getting them riled up. I mean, this guy was. 80, 90 hours a week, he was very productive. So it hurt, you know, you thought it would hurt to get rid of him, but he would go around and complain to all the other guys about not having any work. And then all the other guys were like, well, if he doesn't have any work, how am I going to make it? Yeah. You know, so he's, you know, psychologically getting in the heads of all the other guys. Um, I find it, in- I find it, it interesting. Um, uh, I'm supposed to introduce you, Rich. So um, this is Rich oh. <laughs> Francisco, European Auto Garage. Uh, in Tennessee. Where in Tennessee? What's the city? Knoxville. In Knoxville. A beautiful, beautiful shop. Uh, holy smokes. I love your place. Um, uh, so, so back to the, back to the situation. Um, I always say hire slow fire fast because I think we kind of know, and, and I have this, um, have this mentality that when you realize that the employee is not going to be good for you, that you should get rid of them right away. I've had so many people, uh, you know, if we want to talk horror stories, uh, I'm going to fire this guy. I'm going to, I'm going to fire him on Friday on Thursday. He hurts his back. He's out on workers comp for a year and a half. I can't really fire him. Uh, uh, you know, he doesn't really want to come back to work. Uh, there's no proof that his back is really hurt. He just says it. And so he's eating up my workers comp. Uh, you know, I, I, I've seen this happen. Time and time and time again. Uh, uh, Rich, I want to follow up on this particular thing. Now, there's a lot of shop owners out there that have that guy. Uh, You know, he puts out hours like crazy, but he's just a pain in the ass. He just is the guy that complains about everything, uh, makes everybody else miserable. Um, So you held on to this guy because of his production or you held on to the guy because you were reluctant to fire him. Uh, you know, why did you hold on to him? I would say production was the reason I held on to him. I mean, he was, you know, he was very, very profitable and lucrative for the business. However, he also was really high maintenance. So was he truly productive? Did, did, because when he, you, when you, he t- go ahead. When he, he took as much manpower to manage from an HR standpoint as my other nine employees combined, there was that many issues. Did you, did, did, uh, so, um, one of my, one of my, I don't know, axioms, whatever you want to call it. One of the things that I, I, I say is that you should have, um, escalating consequence for um misbehavior so did you have uh, did he get written up several times did did you know you say hr had to deal with him was it was it you know did you write him up did did we have consequences for him just taking off or was it kind of like i don't know what to do 
there was a couple of write-ups. He was very good at riding that line to where he wasn't violating policy. You know, so it was... I think if you're going to tell me there's a windstorm and your wife's afraid at home and you're going to leave, I I have a problem with that, frankly. Um, Yeah. So... To me, you can't just take off. You have to, you, you got to talk to a manager and say, I'd like to go home. And the manager says, no, you stay. You know, I mean, if the, right. if your wife got hurt, if, if a tree fell on the house, then I'm the first guy to say, go home as fast as possible. Right. Well, let's load up some equipment and go help. Yeah. How can I, how, what can we do for you? Right. But, right. but, but if, Yeah. There's so many guys, there's so many shops that have this particular problem. They have a high-producing employee that's just that's just terrible. It's hard to live with. So you got rid of Yeah, I mean it was we yeah, we we you know, he 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 actually, you know, he left when we were able, you know, right when yeah. we had decided to leave him anyway. So the problem took care of itself. The problem manifested itself and continued because we allowed it to happen. I mean, we allowed that. We created that monster. And, you know, we vowed we wouldn't let it happen again. And we've had, you know, we've, we, it seems like, you know, as soon as the one leaves, somebody always takes their place. Yeah. And the next person that came in when he left, the guy that came in and took their place, I warned him within a couple of weeks. I said, just because this guy left, you don't get to be him now. Um, it's not going to happen ever again. And, and he did get the, he did get the three write-ups in the immediate termination when, uh, when he crossed the line and, and now, you know, you really get the respect of the other, of your other people, your other people. Um, they don't, if you do it properly and they all know what's going on out there too, they're watching somebody get away with it right? and they're not happy about it. And if, if they see consequences happen and they get rid of, and you get rid of the cancer and they feel better, they feel like, Hey, you know what? They listen to me. You know, they do care about us because they got the trouble out of here and, you know, and now I'm better off for it. I, I think it's really, really important um, culturally for your business that you you figure out the kind of place that you want to want to work at and what you want to do, um, you know, and who you're willing to work with and what you're willing to to put up with. Um, I don't believe in perfection uh, from anybody. I think you know whatever you got, you're going to have some issues. But what I don't want is someone that's going to eat up my life and my time and make my life miserable and, and the and lives of everybody else miserable. So you're going to move to a new facility. I assume that your expenses went up and you're going to lose your top producer when you move over. Uh, how was that? I mean, what happened? It ended up being, it ended up being a complete non-issue. Um, we were able to get, you know, we, we put the ad out on, on indeed, which is going to be a good format for us. We pulled in two more guys um, one of them was, was a good guy. One of them was an excellent guy. The production went up for the other ones. We've just, you know, it's taken care of itself. The, the way that the rest of the team um, hunkered down and pitched in and, um, and, and with how much better the morale got, um, it was so much of a non-issue. I mean, it, it ended up being, you know, why didn't we do this sooner? I think it always I does. mean, my wife, my, my wife, who's, you know, who's my partner in this, she, she was at a point with him where she didn't even want to come in anymore. She said, it's our business. And I don't even want to walk in the door because I can't stand the way he makes me feel. Right. Right. And you know, we, we had, uh, I had a guy come to work for us. I'll, t- I'll tell my horror story. Um, he was, a uh, a small guy, uh, probably five, one, five, two. And that doesn't make somebody good or bad. I mean, I'm a big guy you know, six, four, but that doesn't make me good or bad. But this guy, he had a real chip on his shoulder. I mean, if you saw him walking down the street, it it looked like he had a 600 pound weight he was carrying. Um, And, and he, he really um, never took responsibility for anything in his entire life. Um, I'm, I think I'm a good manager. Now I I've hired and fired a lot of people because I have these, I have these rules about, you know, if you're not going to get along, uh, then you can't be here. If you're going to, you know, misbehave, you, you can't be here. If you're not going to do what you're supposed to do, you you can't be here. And I think that the other 
people in the business really appreciate that uh, because it, I don't allow, um, you know, one crazy person or one big personality to take over the company and, and lead and direct the company. We're just not going to let it happen. Um, this particular guy, we were in a company meeting, which we did every Wednesday, and the owner's wife was there. And he actually yelled at her in the meeting. I can't remember what it was about, but it, it wasn't it wasn't anything that was, you know, important even. And he, he yelled at her. I actually stopped the meeting, took him out to my office, fired him. Uh, and he threatened me uh, 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 when I fired him. He called me Colonel Sanders and said he was going to kick my ass and blah, blah, blah. And I, I, I laughed and, you know, I'm like, you know, we're, I don't know, at the time I was probably in my, in my mid forties, um, you know, and bring it <laughs> like, like, dude, um, you know, I don't want to be duking it out with anybody, but I'm also not gonna, I'm not going to shy away. You want to come on, let's go. Um, uh, I walked back in the meeting and, uh, I got my, my parts guy, Phil, Phil was the best. Phil was the best parts guy I've ever worked with and one of the best employees because he really he really cared about the company and he cared about doing his job well. Um, so I got Phil and I was like, can you check him out and get him out of here? And then I went back to the meeting. Like nothing happened. Um, I think everybody knew what happened, but I think when you when you when you're able to to do that with somebody that isn't following the rules. Now that would assume that you've established some kind of code of conduct or some kind of performance levels or whatever that is. I think when you're able to do that, everyone else goes, Oh my gosh, this is really a company that, that stands behind what they believe in or that, that is willing to have, you know, a, a, a good environment. Um, let's, let's make a, a little shift here. So, so we have, we've all dealt with employees that are just, you know, we've dealt with some that they just don't have what it takes to do the job right. They're not, they're, they're not bad. They're not, they're not crazy. They just, they just don't have what it takes. Um, and then we've dealt with some people that are, you know, off the deep end. Um, what, what, in your hiring, what, did you make any changes? Well, I'll start with Alvin. Um, Alvin, after you had this employee who wouldn't take accountability, wouldn't take responsibility, wouldn't wouldn't learn, couldn't remember anything, did you change your the way you question people in your hiring, or did you did you make any other kind of changes? Did you say never again and and create a policy, anything like that? Um, when I start rehiring again, what happened was I kind of put more training on hand and say with the, the, the new employee, what we did was he didn't actually replace him. But what happened was I was like, okay, what would you, what part don't you understand? So if you don't understand something, I want you to come up to me. If I can't explain it to you, I'm going to, I'm going to have you do some training on it. So I tried to more enforce proper training on things. So they will have a better understanding on it and they'll feel more comfortable at it. Okay. And, uh, Go ahead. Mm -hmm. So if they did something wrong, I would tell them straight up beforehand. I said, listen, if you do something wrong, I'm going to show it to you. Don't take it as, you know, don't take it as criticism, you know, like a bad criticism. Take it as, you know, like a good learning curve, you know, because we're all going to make mistakes. You know, it's going to happen, but we're all going to also try not to make mistakes and be better at it. So if you have something that you can do better, I want you to show us. You know, okay. because I think that's the way that that's the way things should go. I, I, I like having um, policies and, and procedures. Um, I like having expectations. So we have uh, employee contracts uh, and those employee contracts kind of spell out, at least in a in a basic way, what someone is supposed to do uh, for us in our company uh, and what we expect from them. So uh, if it's a technician uh, in our shop, we had a, a seven and a half hour a day minimum production standard and a goal of 9.6. Um, in fact, I'd rather have, you know, four guys doing 9.6 than one guy doing 
you know, 15 and, and, and three guys doing six, um, in, in my business. Um, and I, and I think that if you, if you can do that and you can, um, hold people accountable that you're going to be much more successful with, uh, with your business and with your employees, uh, being able to hold on to people longer, uh, Rich, what, what, um, so you said never again. I know you, buddy. I know you're like, okay, I've, I've identified this guy. And when I see that guy, um, even if he's wearing a different face, we're not going to bring him on board. But have you been quicker to terminate since then? Or, or have I've, you not I've, had we've been, I have been quicker to terminate. I've also been more empathetic in my, in my terminating, which is not, one of my qualities yeah, at all. Yeah, you and I, both. I don't have, I don't have empathy at all. Nobody gave me anything. I don't expect to, you know, but you know, I, I, I did have a guy that I really liked. Um, he was great morale. He was great for the spirit of the shop. His work was on when it was on, but he had a, obviously a personal issue and I tried helping him through the personal issue and I had to let him go and it, it hurt to let him go. And, you know, cause I know that his life, has taken a tailspin since then, but that's not my responsibility. But, I think um, that's, that, so I think we have a, um, a false sense of loyalty or an over uh, inflated sense of loyalty often uh, in automotive shops, or it's probably an all small business. Um, my, um, I, I see shops all the time where they have this guy that has been with them for 20 years. They started with us. And the guy is miserable and unhappy and making everyone else miserable and unhappy, but I don't want to terminate him because, because he was here in the beginning and he took some of the hits with me. Right. Um, do you, and I know you, you and I are, are quite a bit alike in that particular way with the empathy thing. It's very hard for me to, to feel empathy. Um, but we have a lot of shop owners out there that are, are, um, they feel responsible for the guy and his family, um, but they haven't created any any standards that say, you know, if you can behave in this way, then you get to stay and you get to make lots of money and you get to be really happy here. But if you can't behave in this way, then you can't be in the, you know, on the team, so to speak. Um, yeah, you- we have a, we definitely have a minimum standards policy that we tell them about it at the point of hiring and we reemphasize it several times a year during the meeting. Cause you have to have the minimum standards. Okay. So you actually, you terminated a guy who was really not a bad guy. He wasn't causing any problems, but he just couldn't perform. He couldn't, he couldn't perform. He couldn't get out of his own way. It was a really a shame to see somebody with that kind of potential and those kind of skills just, circle the bowl like he did and and we watched it happen and it was a per, it was personal stuff it was possibly substance I'm, i don't know um because you know i try not to get involved in their personal lives because it's really not my place to get involved in their personal lives i really don't want to be involved in their personal lives but uh, i feel it was probably a substance thing but you know when we did have to live, let him go it was it was terrible i mean it, but 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 we did and then i've let people go you know for the you know, I've got one right now that, uh, that we're in the, in the paperwork trail of something's going on. It's something going on in his personal life. It's affecting him. And, you know, I'll try to help him, you know, like, look, what do you need? You know, do you need a week off? You could have a week off. I'll take care of you. Don't worry about it. I need to send you your, get your affairs in order. Yeah. How how do we help you? Yeah. Get, get your affairs in order. Let's figure out what's causing the problem. Um, if, if we can help you fix it, fine. But if we can't help you fix it, we're gonna have to find somebody that could, that could do it because we have to take care of everybody here. You know, I've got, I can't let 11 people drown because one person doesn't know how to swim. There's a ton of different advisor training options in the industry, making the choice that much harder to make. Some shove too much into too little of a time frame. They can be inconvenient and costly, or they're just filled with unhelpful, non-applicable information. So how are you supposed to create confident and capable service advisors? The Advisor Mastery Program from the Institute is the industry's leading service advisor training, now almost entirely online. With one-on-one coaching, KPI training, 
tracking, live community trainings, a resource library, and more. There's no wonder why advisors who finish the program have seen their efforts rewarded with more confidence, higher arrows, and better sales. If you're ready to stop settling for mediocre and start ruling the counter, join the Advisor Mastery Program today. Head to iframe.com and register now. We'll see you in class. Well, I think it's I think it's even more than that in the sense that you know we have um, you know we have I have uh, I think right now it's thirteen employees it might be fourteen uh, but we have their families too so it's not just it's not just that one person it's not just the thirteen employees but it's it's all the other people that are involved including our our customers and our clients. Um, I can't let all of those people down because one person in my company has an issue that they can't deal with. Um, so what are we uh, accountable for with our employees? I'll start with Alvin. Alvin, what, what do you think you are accountable for? What do you think is your responsibility? My responsibility is to make sure that they're properly trained uh, to do the job um, and make sure they come, come to work on time and just basically fulfill what they need to do. That's my accountability. Um, with the personal lives, I don't get involved in anybody's personal lives. So, um, you know, and make sure I do my part to make sure they have everything they need to do the job. That's my, that's just my perspective. of Tools, uh, yes. education, a place education. to work. Yes. Um, you know, whatever, whatever that is, um, uh, in the, in the, in the personal life area, um, uh, Rich, do you have any responsibility there? Do you, do you feel like, so what I'm, what I'm thinking in my head, which is always going on is, is I need to provide them with the opportunity to earn, enough money to take care of their families in a reasonable way, the, the benefits and stuff like that. But once I've provided that opportunity, it's really almost up to them about whether or not they, they do what they're supposed to do. It is. I mean, it's, it's, it's my, it's my job. It's our job as a company to um, give them the tools, in the environment and provide the car count to keep everybody working. That's our responsibility. It's our responsibility to advertise. It's our responsibility to put on the public front to the people, although it's also their responsibility to look the part of, you know, a quality employee when they're out on test drives and so forth. But um, we have to provide, right. It's our responsibility to make sure they have that. If, if we're providing that and it's working for everybody else and we have one that it's not working for, then then the problem is most likely with that one person. And not with us. If you've got a bunch of other ones that are happy and doing okay, you know, I I, I think um, I think it's really important that we create uh, an environment where they can be successful. But I think it's up to them to be successful within that environment. They have to. It has to be up to them. Yeah. You you know you can't you you provide everything for them. You can you can you know you can teach man to fish, but you know. I, um, there, there's, there's a couple of different um, thought processes around managing people. One is to, is to be friends and, 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 um, you know, have a beer with your employees, uh, go out to dinner with them, that kind of thing. The other one is to kind of keep them a, a, a bit at arm's length. Um, uh, uh, Rich, what's your opinion on that? I really feel the need to be at arm's length. I do have, one or two that I've known their entire lives, you know, and, and they're a little more difficult to keep at arm's length because, but, um, but I still do. And like, we do a couple of things a year, team building type things, um, going to the track, going to an off-road event, something like that, where it's an overnight type thing. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll hang around with them and stuff like that, but I definitely turn in early and go away and let them, let them do their thing because I can't be there with them all night long when they're, you know, cutting loose and stuff like that. It's just not my, it's not my place to be, you know, even if I want to be there and that, you know, even if they were friends in the past, I was you know, always, there's, there's, there's a, there's a line you have to stop. Yeah. I, I was always taught that you need to be um, kind of an example of what, you know, um, 
I don't know of what the perfect boss ought to be. Um, and, and to me that, that isn't cutting loose with the employees. Um, I might cut loose with my friends, uh, but I'm not going to let them, my employees, you know, know that I cut loose. I mean, they probably know right. it anyway, but they're, they're not going to be involved in that. Right. Um, right. I, I'm an arm's length guy also. Uh, Alvin, uh, which is kind of hard here because we, we, you know, my, I work with my son for, for heaven's sakes. And I like, like, I mean, I really like all my employees, you know, everyone that works here, I, I, I appreciate, and I think they're great. Um, by the way, if they weren't, uh, great, they wouldn't, they wouldn't work here. Right. You know, that's the, that's kind of the thing. Alvin, what, what, are you an arm's length guy or, or, or do you feel that it's more important to, to really, uh, you know, get to, I, go to, to, to be involved with your employees on a, on a different level. What, what do you think is, is the right way to go? Um, I like to keep it separate. So I do hang out with some of the guys. Um, cause a lot of them, I, uh, one of them I went to school with, so that's going back like 20 years. So we, our kids are the same age. We go to the same birthday parties. So we just try not to talk about work stuff. So that's, that's basically it. It, it keeps it, it keeps it a little, you know, much health, healthier. You know? I, I try to, I try with my fan. It's like, um, if Kent comes over to my house at night and he wants to talk business, I'm like, I'm not talking business right now. If you want to talk to me about that, I'll be in the office tomorrow. We can talk about that tomorrow. Um, I really try very hard to keep it separate. Now, but I don't think that precludes you from getting to know your employees and being friends with your employees, you know, keeping them somewhat at arm's length or, or creating a, do you think that, you know, this kind of, um, I, I, I want to keep the, the two things very separate and I want to set a really good example uh, for my employees, do you think that means that we can't get to know them and, and, and in a way be friends with them, Alvin? Or do you think that that we can still be friends and get to know them, but we can still keep it kind of separated at arm's length? We, learn, we, we all learn to keep it separated because one of the, like my service advisors, I've known him for, I would say, at least 30 years. So, but we we're straight up about it. Like, listen, man, you know, when we hang out, we don't want to talk about work. Just, just, just don't want to talk about it because it just builds bad relationships, rapport. Um, so just, just like you, um, when it comes to work, we'll talk about that stuff. Other stuff, we just, we just, I've learned not to talk about it anymore. You know, I, I really, I really feel like we have to set a, a really good example of what we want our people to work like and act like and be like. Uh, in our business. And I'm a pretty serious guy. Um, I, I, I wish I was more um, friendly, more open, I think, um, uh, even here in my office, but I don't, I don't know how to, to be that guy. Um, uh, Rich, what do, you, what do you think that it precludes you from being friendly and getting to know them and, and, and caring if you're keeping them kind of at this, this distance? I, I think, you can be friendly. I think you could know them, but the, you definitely have to, you, you have to have a boundary and, and that boundary can't be crossed. And if, if they're crossing it towards you, you know, I usually try to deflect it in some way. Um, cause it's just, it's never, it's never been any good to have it that, uh, that close. I mean, when I said, I don't, one of the technicians here, I worked with a dealership 25 years ago. So he's known me all the way from being a service advisor to a technician to a, everything. And he's the one that talked me into buying this place when it, when the, when the, when it came up, you know, and I was, and another one of them, one of my, he's like my right hand man. Now he's 26 years old. I've known him since he was five. He played with my son. So, I mean, that is a pretty close relationship that really has to have a boundary, especially because it was through his whole you know, late right. teens to early twenties when he was going through his wild phase, you know, and he was, I did have to terminate him for a little while because he was too close and, you know, taking too many liberties and, you know, taking advantage of the fact that he knew the big man. So, you know, he, he got fired pretty publicly for about a year do and you, then, you know, worked his way back. So how, how do you, 
Um, I'll start with Rich. I'll go, I'll go to Alvin. How do you, um, what have you created or how have you, how have you told your employees where that line is and where that line isn't? I don't know that I don't know that I have told them exactly where it is. I just, I just know where it is and I just don't let it, you know, it's to the, you know, it's, if you get invited to something that's outside of work, just, oh, you know, sorry, I have other plans or, you know, I've got something else going on or just not making myself available to get to that next thing, but not doing it in an unfriendly way. So I don't want to let them know, you know, I'm not doing it because I don't like them, but you know, but you know, you can't, you just can't get that close. So, so what I'm, what I'm, I guess what I'm trying to get at is, is um, when, when you're, when you hire somebody um, in the interview process, you're creating this, um, this kind of uh, uh, whatever it is, utopia, this, this kind of, if you're the perfect employee, this is what you do. Um, This is what our company is like. This is how we want to act and behave within our company. Uh, this is what we expect from you. Um, do you have, do you have like documents or in your interview, do you, do you say, you know, if you're going to be a tech here, these are the rules. We have, um, we have a very specific way of hiring people and it took training for the people that I have doing the hiring to get them to learn how to do it. And, um, I don't meet the people that are being hired. I do not want to meet them until after their third interview. And even then I shake their hand and that's it. I won't talk to them for two weeks after they're hired. What we do is, you know, I don't meet them. The second thing is on their second interview, which may even be on the same day. Like if they, if they, if they pass the first person and the first person likes them and think there's going to be a fit, they pull in somebody else from the team, whether it be the advisor or one of the techs to also meet them, to get their feel. And if that tech like you know if that person liked to feel, then they are invited to attend our lunch meeting that we have every Wednesday, so they could be in with the whole team when when they're loose, including me. But I'm not loose in the meetings even. Ask, ask questions, but, um, uh, listen to what's going on, get a, fe- get a feel at. for it, and then and then they'll say thank you. You'll be hearing from us, and then after they leave that afternoon, we talk to the guys, the people that we work with, and say, what do you think? And we've had our we've had people that came into those lunch meetings that people said, I don't think they're going to be a good fit. And we didn't hire them. And the, and that spoke volumes to our people when we didn't hire somebody because they said they didn't feel they'd be a fit. I have a, I have, I have a pet peeve and, and one of my, I have a lot of them, but one of them is when you, <laughs> one of them is when you ask my advice and then you don't listen to anything I've said. Oh, it drives me insane. So to me, uh, our interview process, which we have a great video um, about finding, hiring, and training that we just did a class. So that's on our gear platform, which you can find at ifrave.com and, 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 and classes. Um, we have an interview process where the first interview is kind of a phone interview with, with you know, four or five questions that are pretty simplistic. And we're just kind of feeling that person out and trying to figure out, you know, one of our questions is, do you have a valid driver's license, you know? Um, have you had a DUI? Uh, uh, and I understand in some states now you can't ask that question, but um, our phone interview kind of included some basic questions. And then if the person on the phone felt like they were, you know, uh, potential for us, then they came in and had an actual uh, interview with somebody that was more about the company and the culture and what we expected and what money they could make or, you know, how they were paid. Uh, then we had a third interview that was now about, are they qualified? So, so we're not even really, you know, we're asking about experience in our first, in our, in our phone interview, we're asking about experience in our second interview, but we don't really get to it uh, until our third interview. And that's really more about the job itself and, and, and what you need to know and how you need to do the job. Uh, If they make it there, then we put them in front of the team and the team interviews them. And at that point, the team says, no, we don't like the person. We don't think they're going to fit or whatever. We don't hire no matter, no matter how much I liked them or somebody else did. Um, and, and I think that if you do hire that person, I mean, 
if you're going to if you're going to have the team interview the person or parts of the team and they say no, then you can't hire that person. If you're not, if you're going to go around what they say because you happen to like the guy or you happen to think the guy's going to be good, then I, I don't think you, I don't think you have the team interview. Them. You just get rid of that in your company. Um, do you, uh, Rich, so I'm going to, I just want to follow up on this. Do you feel like because you've done that, you have a, a better, um, better production, better culture, better company? Absolutely. A hundred percent. There, there's no doubt that when you, when you ask their opinion and you take it, you, you take their opinion and act on it, you have proven that their opinion is valuable to you and that you respect the, the input that they gave. I, th- I think a and lot if, of- if I were to go, if I were to cross somebody or not cross, but if I were to feel differently, I would, I would, I would, I would say to them, well, I thought X and I'd tell them and listen to their input again. Because I'm not always right. Yeah. And, and, and frankly, they may not be either. If we have a conversation, maybe we can come to right. terms with it, right? Um, yeah, or maybe there's something that they saw I didn't, or I saw that they didn't. You know, I don't know. That's why we a, discuss it again. I'll give you a for instance. Uh, we had a guy that, that interviewed, came through the interview process. I did the third interview with him, and uh, I liked him. The first interviewer liked him. The second one liked him. Uh, we sent him to the team interview where we bring three team members in. And after the team interview, um, Phil, my parts guy, who I just thought was the greatest employee in the world, he came up to me and said, Cecil, are you crazy? You want to hire this guy? And I was like, what do you mean? He said, did you look at his application? I was like, well, yeah. He said, did you notice he has felonies? I was like, well, okay, so he has felonies. I'm, I'm a guy that will give someone a second chance. He goes, we asked him what the felonies were. Um, he went to jail twice and served time for child molestation. Um, that's what the felony was. So, so it's like, uh, you know, if, if, if I didn't have that interview process, I, I, I might've hired this guy and, and, and maybe, maybe he was right and he really didn't do it and he got railroaded, but twice, you know, you got to think, there's got to be some stuff. I can't take that chance as a business owner, right? Um, You're not going to pee in the park twice. That's not, yeah. <laughs> You're twice. not going to pee in the park twice. Only twice. <laughs> um, you know, uh, uh, I think there's some things you just can't take a chance on in your business. Uh, and I think that's like one of those things I, I, I can't. I have to make that. I have to draw that kind of firm line there. Um, Alvin, do you... Do you have a hiring process? Do you do multiple interviews? Do you have other staff interview the employee? Uh, we don't do multiple interviews, uh, but we do have um, a service, uh, the service manager or service advisor. Um, he'll, he'll, he'll give me an opinion on it too. Okay. And, you know, uh, we don't have team interviews, but I think maybe uh, that's a good idea from now on. I, I love it, feel. frankly. I think it's really important because it gets everybody kind of involved and, one of the things that I think is important there is when the team gets their hands on them and they say, this is someone we think we can work with, then they become more accountable for their success. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Rich, have you, have you found that to be true? Like when the team gets to interview him and, and now they want him to be successful because they were involved in the hiring. So they're more likely to be more involved in getting trained or helping them out. It, it does. And it also helps, because especially with technicians, anytime you're bringing on another technician, the, the other ones that are there feel them as a threat. But when they feel like there isn't, and as part of the process, when they come in, they feel like not a superior, but they feel like they are already a senior employee and coming in and they have a, a, a mentee essentially. Right. Um, do you do a mentor, so so um, it, it, do you do a mentor mentee relationship with your, with your new hires or? I would say we probably do it unofficially. I usually have somebody who I say, keep an eye over here and answer their questions and make sure they don't wander. And then I will tell the new person, you know, if you have any questions about something, you know, go, go and ask him about it. And if you don't, if you're not barking up the right tree, you could find me, but I, I don't really set them up. So they are that way, but I definitely lead them to each other. Because I don't want to assign it and then cause animosity. 
But, yeah, um, you know, and then that way, if they don't get along, we move them to another guy. Stop wasting your time trying to find a magic bullet. There isn't one. However, our Keys to Automotive Business Success teaches the foundations of a successful automotive shop and gets you started on the right path, which is pretty close. You'll learn how to set actionable and achievable goals, understand your financial model, and how to communicate more effectively with your team. This course was designed to jumpstart your results, not waste your time. Take the class today, and you'll learn how to start creating the business and life you want. Visit ifrave.com to register for the class at only $49 and available to take wherever and whenever you'd like it's what every shop owner needs to kickstart their business into success well we had an official program where when someone came in they were actually uh they had a mentor assigned to them didn't matter who it was um i could come in the company as a new employee uh tech or service advisor and i would have had a mentor assigned to me for at least 30 days uh you know where's the bathroom where's the time clock where's the the coolant machine, where's the coolant kept, that, you know, whatever. Um, we had an official checkoff program, and then we met with the employee uh, and the mentor uh, weekly so we could find out if there was any personality issues or, you know, something else going on so we could make an adjustment. Um, That's a good way of doing it. Yeah, I, I, I felt like it was very uh, beneficial to both people. And then we, we did something interesting when, you know, like if I was going to hire somebody and we we're going to pay them 28 bucks an hour, we only paid them 26 until they got signed off on their, their program, which, which we had a very kind of definitive, you have to sign off on this and this and this and this. Um, actually for a tech, I've got about three pages of stuff that you need to sign off on. Um, and the mentor, the, the weekly meeting was to see what they were getting signed off, if they felt like they were making progress, if the, the mentor felt like they were making progress, uh, and to make sure that somebody wasn't holding off. We actually took that extra money, that $2 an hour, we didn't pay them, uh, and we paid it to the mentor while uh, they were working with the, the guy. And then uh, the cool thing about that is usually somewhere between 30 and 90 days later, they were signed off, and they got that raise that they kind of expect anyway. Um, they got that extra two bucks an hour in their, in their pay. Uh, and that went away from the mentor because they weren't necessarily involved on a, you know, on a day-to-day basis. Um, uh, so, so we have, we have shop owners that have had that horrible employee. Um, uh, Alvin, what's your advice when you have that guy that is disruptive? What's your advice to the shop owners out there? My advice to shop owners. I'm not. I'm not really sure. It's with. It, I'm. I'm not. I'm very. Uh, the problem is, I'm a very lenient guy, and I. I. I think I would probably. What would your advice be on this one? Because. Um, I hate. I hate firing people. I like giving people chances, but if it chances doesn't work, I approach them and say, "Listen, it doesn't work. You know, you. You, you got to go." So. So your, your, your advice would say, um, if I'm, if I'm hearing you correctly, um, you're more likely to be more lenient. You're going to give them multiple opportunities to step up to the plate, but there is a point where you're going to terminate. Yes. If you cannot meet the, if you cannot meet it. Are you, um, do you think that you hold on too long to these guys or. Sometimes I would say so because I think everybody deserves a chance um with the opportunity but there is a draw there is a fine line um with my that other guy he got fired just because he couldn't come to work on time and it just gave me the opportunity just to get rid of him do you so, um do you think that well i'm not going to ask that question because it's it's a it's a it's a jaded question um uh rich um what's your advice to shop owners when they have that disruptive person uh, in their company? If they're disruptive to the point where they're, um, they're abusing or not meeting minimum standards, then I'd terminate for not meeting minimum standards. One of the minimum standards is being able to come in on time. Uh, another minimum standard, for example, of how strict I am on stuff is if, um, if I'm checking air pressure and tires and a car leaves and the air pressures aren't checked, I can terminate immediately for that. And I'll even look for little stuff like that. Um, if it's, if it's something where they're not meeting minimum standards, but it's probably possibly a personal issue, like the substance abuse problems I've had from a couple of people, I will pull them in the door, closed door with myself and one other person, usually the service manager or 
our office manager, my wife, and we'll say, you know, there's, there may be some sort of a problem here. What can we do to help you through it? Do you need time off? Do you need this? Do you need that? You know, we're here for you. And if that doesn't work, then we let them go. Uh, we I, usually I give about two weeks because if it's if they're going to try, if they're going to try, we will be lenient. But if they don't, if the, if the problem, if the behavior doesn't change after we've said we care, then um, then it's time to say goodbye. So I have a I have a um, I don't know. It's I have these rules, you know, Cecil's rules, and and one of my rules is as long as I think the employee is trying to make improvement and has the capacity to make improvement, I'm going to keep working with them. But when I decide or when I, when I feel like they're not trying or they're not able, then I, I'm, I'm a very fast terminator at that point. I'm going to pull them. When they've checked out, there's no point in having them there anymore. And I, I think that if you talk to my staff and my people, they would tell you that I, I allow people to stay too long, um, maybe two months or three months longer than I should. Uh, so I'm still trying to work with that person, even sometimes after I've given up hope that they're going to be able to get where I need to go. I dread firing people. I think people that know me would say, oh, it's got to be easy for you, but it, it really isn't. Um, it's not. Yeah. I, I don't see how I, I just can't. I, it's very difficult. All right. We, we only have a, a couple of minutes left. Um, Let's let's uh, dedicate that to your your best advice for that person that has been with the company a long time uh, that you know that person fairly personally, but they're they're either disruptive or they're not capable uh, of meeting the standards. What is the what is the advice? Is it a, is it a step program? Is it a, you know, terminate? Is it a do your best to try to, you know, fit them in the mold? Is it change the job description uh, for them? I'll, I'll start with Alvin. Um, with those things, when it comes to a point, um, you know, I will try to change a job description and to see if they can do that part better. I mean, like, you know, I have a, you know, just like having like an older technician, you know, he's not going to work on these cars until he's like 60 years old. Um, and I've known him for a long time. You know, it's like, I, I always try to work with people. If I know they don't want to try, same like you see. So if I can see that they want to try, I'll do whatever I can to work with them. You know, if they don't want to try, um, if they don't want to try, they, um, uh, you know, then I can't, you know, then I, I cut the cords too. I, I think we have to differentiate um, something here. I, I've got an, a, an older employee that's been with me a long time. Um, they've, they've produced, they've done a good job, and now they're getting older where it's more difficult for them to do the job and they're not able to be as productive. Um, but they're still got a good attitude. They're still giving it their best effort. I'm going to make adjustments for that person. Um, I may not make giant adjustments, but I'm going to make adjustments. If I can, I might find a different position within the company that they're more likely to be able to do. <coughs> if you're somebody, <coughs> excuse me, if you're somebody that works in my company who, who is disruptive or, or, um, you know, creating mutinies or, you know, trying to rile up other people, I don't care how long you've been with me, you're out. And you're, I kept somebody like that for way too long. Uh, uh, and, and it cost me um, probably a year of my life because of all the aggravation. Uh, I'm, I'm going to die a year sooner, uh, maybe two from this person. Um, Rich, what's your, what's your advice for that long-term person that, that is either two different? So we got two different people. One is they're getting older. They can't produce like they used to. Uh, or... Um, uh, you know, the guy that's disruptive who thinks he has privilege because he's been there a long time. The one with the privilege because he's been there a long time. Um, I'm going to talk to him one time about the problem I have, and then I'm going to let him go. Okay. Um, the other one, um, I'm going to search, you know, besides the, besides the automotive repair side of, of my business, I've got some other stuff since we have property that I'm trying to get kicked off the ground. And I'm going to try to create something where, 
their good attitude and their years of service and, and, and what they're good, maybe something that'll be a better fit for them going on in the future in their life. Um, I'm going to try to do that. Whether I can do it or not, I will either do that or I will try to see if anybody else in the community that I know has something for them that's going to be equal where I could say, look, this opportunity's come up here for you. You know, I know you don't, you know, your arms, you got you know, whatever it is, you know, you're tired. You don't want to do this anymore. You're tired of being hot, busting bust your knuckles, your knees, you know, the, the younger guys and all that stuff, you know, I'm going to try to find something for that person to make it seem like we made the decision together. But I, uh, I, I want to try to keep them in house somehow. I think we owe it to ourselves to be successful enough that we have other opportunities for those good employees that that stay with us and that you know put their all into it. Um, all right, we're 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 at that time. Um, I'd really like to thank you, Alvin and, and Rich, for being here. Um, I think this was a, a good thing for people to listen to uh, to help them understand some interviewing and some you know methodology for thinking about employees and 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 hiring and, and actually firing. Uh, I'll leave you with my axiom, and that is um, hire slow, uh, but fire fast. Uh, so thank you for uh, thank you for being here, guys, and uh, for those of you that are going to watch this, thank you for watching. Uh, thank thanks. you. Glad to be here. Thank you, Cecil. Take care. Bye. That's it for this one. This episode was brought to you by GearForShops.com and The Institute. To find more episodes or for more information about the services we provide, visit iforabe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you in the next one.